Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the dragon boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for downloading. On this episode, I had the distinct pleasure of talking with Dr. Don McKenzie. 25 years ago, he developed and coached the first ever breast cancer dragon boat team called A Breast in a Boat to debunk the myth that physical activity caused lymphedema. Dr. McKenzie talked about the research project, development of the team, the findings of the project, and the impact that the study has had on the breast cancer community within the dragon boat world. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I have Dr. Don McKenzie with me today here on the podcast. He is the professor director at the Division of Sports Medicine at University of British Columbia. He also chairs the Medical Commission and Anti-Doping Committee for the International Canoe Federation. Um, and he is also... Uh, the reason why we have him on the podcast today. He is also a researcher that really brought dragon boating to the breast cancer world. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Dr. McKenzie. It's so nice to have you with us. Oh, nice to be here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, dragon boating, first of all. So what, what kind of took place that made you think, you know, this is what, 25 years ago almost that you did your research study? Yeah, that's exactly 25. You're right. Yeah, so 25 years ago. So what what was it that kind of prompted you to say, I'd like to do this pretty unique research study for breast cancer survivors? Well, it was the, the issue 25 years ago, and, and a little bit still today, was the issue of uh, breast cancer-related lymphedema following treatment for breast cancer. And, of course, that's a, a, a fairly significant side effect uh, if you do happen to get it. And that's swelling and discomfort and uh, pain uh, in the arm um, a lot side that you've had your breast cancer and it's a sequelae to some of the surgical and chemotherapy and radiation treatments and that was a, that was really changing the lives of 
women because they were afraid to do certain types of exercise or activities for fear of developing lymphedema. At that particular time, um, some information had come out that said, uh, you know, don't do a whole lot of very simple activities that was really limiting the physical abilities of, of, of women um, because the, the threat of developing lymphedema was there. So simple things um, like even knitting, for example, or vacuuming or pushing and pulling, certainly lifting weights or lifting a weight, uh, all of those things were contraindicated. And so women were, were uh, effectively being penalized on the basis of the, the threat of developing lymphedema. I mean, really, so, what do you do? Like if you can't knit and you can't vacuum, like what do, what do you do? <laughs> That's a pretty limited um, lifestyle, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. So. And, you know, and thinking about breast cancer and, and who it impacts, you know, it's not yeah. impacting women who, you know, not only women who are just kind of living an inactive lifestyle, but, you know, these some of these women are athletes, they're moms, you know, they might yeah. be the primary uh, provider for their home and, you know, having to vacuum and, you know, maybe knitting is their livelihood. So um, <laughs> that's kind of crazy to me um, well, to, to hear right. that. Well, it was, and, and these are actually published guidelines, but of course they weren't guidelines. They were telling what people, what people, what not to do rather than what to do. So I had done a graduate degree in Ohio State a long, long time ago, and I looked up in physiology, and I looked into the literature and, and uh, found that I couldn't find any rationale for this to, to happen. So we decided that we'd do a study that would challenge the myth that exercise causes lymphedema. So the first thing we did is look for an activity that was highly visible that had all, at least some of the, the things that were contraindicated. So repetitive, uh, intense, stressful exercise that of the upper extremity, certainly that's something on the list that everybody's saying not to do. And so when I looked around for something that, that fit that bill and with my background in canoeing, uh, Dragon Boat was actually a pretty obvious solution from my perspective because you have a great big boat and put you know, 18, 20 people in, and it is repetitive, strenuous, physically demanding upper body exercise. And the hypothesis was if, if the women can do that, then they can actually, and not develop lymphedema, then, then that uh, defies the myth that exercise causes lymphedema. So it's you, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but so you already knew about dragon boating at this point in time? I mean, this was 25 years ago. Sure. No, I, I'm an old guy, and I've... <laughs> paddling a kayak canoe or whatever and still do probably for the last 50 years so i i was quite familiar with with uh, the sport of canoeing in vancouver we had an expo which was uh, world's fair in 1986 and that actually heralded the start of a lot of dragon boating here in vancouver because uh, Asia sent a number of dragon boats to Vancouver at that time. And so the, the dragon boat world in, in Western Canada was quite alive and, and viable uh, from, the, from the mid to early 80s. And so in 1996, when we were looking for a dragon boat, there were quite a few around. And I've been familiar with them because we actually started what was called the False Creek Canoe Club. I guess it still is the False Creek Canoe Club in the early 80s. Awesome. Okay. I mean, honestly, I had never heard of dragon boating or seen dragon boating until I became a survivor myself. So, um, you know, it's right. kind of mind boggling for me that anyone 
outside of, you know, like that it would still be 25 years ago that prominent that you would say, okay, this is the sport that we're going to use for this research study. So um, that's awesome, really. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, kind of the, you know, how did you get these women to agree to this? Because here they are being told, you can't knit, you can't vacuum, you can't lift weights, you can't do this, you can't do that. And now you're saying, well, I want to do this research study where I'm going to ask you to do this repetitive physical exercise despite what you've been told. So how did you find these women to kind of, you know, agree to be a part of this study? Well, that's a very good question because you're right. that These extraordinarily courageous, uh, brave women who would volunteer for a project with that hypothesis because you are kind of violating what traditional medicine has said to you, um, you know, what not to do to, to avoid this condition. So I, had, I have a research lab in, in, uh, at, the, at the University of British Columbia, and I was doing some actually research on uh, with children with solid tumors, some cancer and exercise research. And when I met a woman that actually was, told me about this lymphedema thing, and then she belonged to a, a support group, and uh, it was a support group that met at one of our community centers. I went over there one day, and I talked to the support group and, and uh, mentioned that I'd like to try this project. I mentioned that to seven or eight women. They went out into their community and uh, found another, you know, 17 or 18. So, uh, you know, that, that it wasn't that difficult. I think the, the women who were the first ones to challenge us were kind of fed up with, with not doing anything. And this was going to be an opportunity for them to actually challenge that myth. And if they could pull this off, then uh, you give them back some control of their life. So they, they were very enthusiastic volunteers without really understanding what this involved because you're right nobody had been had any experience with with uh, dragon boating itself yeah wow i mean really like you know i i think so much about what all of that meant for those of us who are in the sport today um and i'm beyond grateful that there was this group of women um that agreed to do this when you know, it was completely defying what the doctors had suggested. So how many women total did you have as part of the study? Uh, 24. The first first group was, were 24 volunteers. And you're right, they were very courageous women. And, you know, it wasn't without some, not question from them. None of the 24 ever came to me and said, uh, you sure you know what you're doing? But I must <laughs> There were a few other people within the cancer community and also the exercise community and some people that I work with at the university said, boy, this is, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And um, we pursued, as I'm, you, know, you probably know, this it wasn't just dragon boating. You know, before they, they saw a dragon boat, they actually had to come to the gym and do, um, you know, almost three months worth of exercise just in order to get themselves prepared to, to tackle the sport. So, you know, it was a comprehensive thing. At the same time, we actually started to do some research on lymphedema, some fairly good research actually on lymphedema in my research lab. So separate from the Dragon Bowl group, we started to do some uh, fairly good studies trying to map out the lymphatic system and look at how exercise challenged the system and what it did. Right. Wow. So, and then what was 
the length of time um, in terms of the study? Because, I mean, it would I would imagine it would have to be over a period of time. Um, nope. And, of course, you know, taking into account Vancouver seasons, um, <laughs> you know, you can't paddle all year round there. I mean, maybe you could, um, but yeah. you'd be freezing. So what was the length of time for the study? The study uh, started, the, the exercise component in the gym started in January, and the idea was we would complete compete in the Vancouver Dragon Boat Festival, which even 25 years ago was a, is a large one. It has a, about 130 teams come to Vancouver for a festival, and that's in June. So it was pretty close to six months. Uh, you, we can paddle here all year round. In fact, a lot of people do. But, but as far as the Dragon Boat paddling, for most people, they don't come back onto the water until uh, usually the first of April or late March when basically it gets light at light in the evening. So the, the on the water part would be for about three months and the exercise prior to that was in the, you know, in the same, um, you know, approximately three months as well. Okay. So, I mean, in essence, you created this dragon boat team that was only breast cancer survivors um, and they were called a breast in a boat. Well, that, that, exactly. But I must say, like, I started this this program, and very quickly the women kind of took over some of those <laughs> things, things like naming it and what color sweater shirts will we have and what have you. So, uh, quite appropriately, I mean, this is a, a project, or was a, a now it's a, a fairly large movement that's driven by the women with the disease, and I think that's actually very important. The, the initial part, I formed it and coached it, and actually the first year I steered the boat because nobody, I, no one felt comfortable learning how to steer. That's Fair enough. <laughs> Fair point. <It's, laughs> But, uh, you know, but really the, the, the women took charge of the actual, a lot of the, the media issues and, um, you know, it, it was, it was good. They took it, took control of, uh, a lot of the components of it. Awesome. I mean, really that's, um, I think that's great because, you know, here you are, the most important part of this for you is finding out the information, you know, trying to kind of debunk the myth, um, that women who have gone through breast cancer treatments cannot do any kind of, you know, strenuous physical activity. Um, but that really kind of gave them, I'm sure, a sense of ownership over this very unique um, sport and creating a team that was specific to, you know, the the exact thing that they've gone through, right? Just that breast cancer part of it. So um, I love that they kind of stepped up and were like, okay, now we're going to take charge. Um, I feel like yep. that's usually what females do anyways. <laughs> yep. the exactly. Most Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're correct. So now, it was all about women's health. That's the way I express it. The, the first crew, um, you know, as they say, it took a stuck their neck out. It was it was quite a, a risk on their part. We actually measured arm circumferences all the way through. It wasn't, uh, you know, we followed people's arm circumferences, the measurements for, for lymphedema all the way through the exercise component in the gym as well as into the, the competitive season when they're on the water, etc. So, you know, we did actually a fair amount of work to, to do this, but it, uh, you know, the, the, the goal was basically for these 24 women is to show, if they could show that they could, do this and not develop emphedema, then the effect on every other cancer survivor was going to be huge because that would give people back some independence and confidence that they could return to a relatively normal life. 
Right. And so how often were they doing um, either the the training in the gym or on the water training? How often were during the week were they doing that? It was three times a week. Okay. That initially, and that was in the gym or walking. It was mostly in the gym. And then when we came, when we went to the Dragon Boat, then they continued in the gym one day a week, and we trained on the water twice a week. Okay. Awesome. I mean, so that's a that's a pretty significant amount of time. Again, kind of considering that they've been told not to do really anything. Um, sure. Yeah. Know. I would each, each practice is an hour and a half, and about the same time in the gym. So yeah, it's a it's a big commitment for the average age of our group was uh, fifty five years old. Okay. And and you you may think back twenty five years ago, it was actually not that uh, common to see fifty five year old women in a gym. So they also opened the door to some of our community centers that, you know, this is a place that everybody can exercise, not just uh, young, fit, healthy people. Right. Yeah. So, so then they go and they compete in the Vancouver festival. They're the only boat of their kind, right? So, um, you know, what division did they compete in? Well, there was no breast cancer division like there is now, of course. So we competed. It was in the recreational uh, group against corporate teams mostly, which were mixed teams, men and women. Uh, There was a few races that would just have women uh, in it, but not related to any, uh, you know, disease component that was, so it really was the recreational division. Okay. And how did they do? We came, uh, first race was, I'll never forget that actually. The first race, um, we lost we were i think there were six race, six teams and we were sixth but the goal as i said before we're you know the, the goal the goal of this whole thing was to make it to the start line not to the finish line yeah because you did all the work to get you to be able to feel comfortable enough to paddle down this course six months later and show people that you could actually do this and not develop lymphedema Dima, then you're already a winner so that was the first component the first race we lost we were sixth uh, the second or third race, though, we were in with a group of, of uh, again, corporate people, men and women, and we actually beat one of them. So we actually weren't last. We were second last. And so, yeah. and, uh, as, as, as the women say, we're always first in our lane. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, and I think that's important, too, right? Like, um, there is that competitive nature um, to dragon boating, obviously. And, you yeah. know, everybody wants to win. But I always, you know, I talk to my team a lot about, you know, just recognize the fact that you're here, you know, and recognize the fact that you've been through all of this stuff that has drastically changed your life. And yet you're out here, you're training, you're working and doing all of these things and you get out there and you're able to race. Like that's pretty profound if you think about it. Sure, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 really uh, one of the side effects of all this. And then, you know, I've had lots of conversation over the years with a number of women. I'm still pretty active, involved, and we we do outreach projects now, as you may or may not know. And uh, you know, speaking to people and and husbands, and you know, it's it's payback time because now mom is the one on the water, and the kids and the husbands have to go watch and uh, be be there for them and be supporters. And you know, the women often say, "Well, I finally have." 
have control again. I've got back my life. I can do the things I want to do. It's made a big difference. So it's not just the dragon boating that gives them that expression. It's it's the ability and achievement of, of training and getting into a position so they can compete in a dragon boat. And the side effect of that is that it allows them to get back to a very full and active life in all facets. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, my story might be a little bit different. You know, I was 31. I was single, living by myself. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't have a husband. I didn't have kids. Um, you know, I didn't have any of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I still felt the impact of not being able to do the things that I used to be able to do. And it was very frustrating, um, no. you know, prior to finding dragon boating and being diagnosed with cancer. In fact, I was training with two semi-pro boxers doing, you know, 40 man push-ups in a minute, um, you know, doing all of these different things. And then after cancer, I couldn't do a single push-up. Um, so trying to find that independence again was really hard. And, um, you know, finding dragon boating really, I, I feel in my heart was truly what, saved me um, mm -hmm. in a dark time when, you know, I really had no idea where I was going to go or what my new normal was going to look like. I found this group of women who truly inspired me because they had been through the same thing and they were out there kicking ass on the water. <laughs> yep. well, you make a good point because it's, it's not just the boat and the activities of the boat. It's the women that you're doing it with. And, you know, you be, be, it's, it's a, a fairly instantaneous bond, actually, even though people come from a variety of backgrounds and, and socioeconomic status, status um, once you get in the boat, you know, the, the saying, we're all on the same boat, uh, that's probably the place where it means the most. Yes, yes. It was, I had gone to traditional support groups and not that they weren't helpful, they served me in a particular fashion, um, but I was probably the youngest there by at least 30 years, um, you know, maybe 20, 20 to 30 years. It was very different, very different. And then when I found dragon boating, you know, I was still the youngest on my team at that time, um, but it was a totally different connection. Like there's a very big difference between sitting in a boat and paddling and knowing that you're surrounded by people who have gone through a similar experience as you in comparison to sitting in a room in a chair and kind of wallowing in um, self-pity is yeah. really what I would equate it to. I hate to say that because, you know, I, I think support groups are important, but a lot of it was a lot of tears and a lot of, um, you know, just, just poor me. And I mm -hmm. didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that in, in that point in time. Um, that's not what I needed. So. Well, you make, that's another good point. I mean, uh, at our first practice or our first get together for, with each season for the novice people, women, you know, I say to them, quite frankly, this is, this is a, a support group, but this is not your standard support group. This isn't about cancer. You know, this is about activity, physical activity, vigorous activity, health, the environment and the rest of your life. So put cancer away because when we get into the boat, we paddle away from cancer. It's not about cancer. It's about exercise and health, looking forward rather than through the rear view, rear view mirror. Yeah, I love that. And I really think that my coach, um, I don't know if you know her or not, but um, her name is uh, Lynn Franks-Minert. But she, hmm. um, 
she really taught me that I was not a girl with cancer, that I was, um, I was truly an athlete. And I hope that I have carried that forward to my own team to show them that, you know, cancer really doesn't have a place on our boat. You know, we've all Mm -hmm. been through it, but at the same time, you know, it really is about maintaining that physical activity moving forward. And, you know, I always talk to them too about, um, thankfully, and I do want to ask you this question too, but thankfully in the time that we've had our team, um, which has been over 10 years, I've only been coaching for four, but in the time of the team, we have lost only one team member to breast cancer, um, which is quite astonishing really. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I always talk to them about, you know, we lift our sisters up who cannot be in the boat with us, you know, and if that's what's going to get you to work harder, then please, do it, you know, but really we have to remember that we have so many sisters and brothers realistically who are out there who cannot be in the boat because of whatever reason. And so we lift them up and um, that's what we use the boat for. Well, you're right. We are you're tremendous role models for, for everybody with, with cancer or, or any chronic disease for that matter. So there's, there's a part of the research study. So, so kind of going back to, um, you know, the, the research project that you've done, um, obviously the, the outcome was that um, physical exercise does not cause lymphedema. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, exactly. And then I have seen a couple of, um, in a couple of articles, a couple of places where it talks about increased survivorship mm-hmm. as well. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that too? Sure. Um, and, and that's very true, by the way. In fact, lots of, of good studies now have shown the benefit of exercise in the breast cancer population. Um, at the University of British Columbia, we have, a, a, as they say, a research lab, but we also now have two cancer gyms. And we started shortly after the initiating the Dragon Boat. It looked like it was such a good thing to do, and we were seeing some very visible uh, positive outcomes. We actually started to do... Um, randomized control, sort of really solid scientific studies, multi-center trials that you, you hear about in the research. So we started to do some very, very, about exercise and breast cancer, and we started doing the first studies where women came to the gym at the same time they started chemotherapy, and they came and they went all the way through chemotherapy and radiation, and so it became, exercise became part of their treatment. And in Vancouver now, if you have happen to get the diagnosis of breast cancer, you'll see the oncologist and they'll talk to you about chemotherapy and they'll talk to you about radiation and talk to you about uh, biological treatments. And then, and then they'll also talk to you about exercise because exercise now is what we call standard of care. And uh, that we, you know, as you know, if you're in a cancer patient, you're followed by your oncologist for ever, really. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we've been doing this long enough now, and so have some other labs that you can actually look back 10 and 15 years and you can go back and see how do people do. And so we actually have done that, and other people have published that. And, and the, the return for a little bit of exercise is actually about 35 to 40% reduction in, in recurrence of your cancer. That's unbelievable, right? That's, and that's amazing. 
that's just through exercise. That's some, we're not making this up. These are things that are published in the, in the scientific literature. And, uh, the American College of Sports Medicine, which is a, a, a big group uh, out of Indianapolis, have just published a number of review papers citing those same numbers. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the role that exercise plays now is, is huge. It's not just about lymphedema anymore. It's about your health and, and in fact, your survival. Right. Yeah. And I, I love um, that that's made mention because, you know, it really is when we think about um, those things that can impact us, um, you know, obviously it's our, you know, the things that we eat, um, the amount of physical activity that we have, you know, I feel like as a breast cancer survivor, I want to do everything that I possibly can to prevent the cancer from returning. You know, there, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what the next, you know, five, 10 years will look like for me, but if I can do everything that I possibly can, I am all for it. Um, and I am always promoting, um, you know, physical fitness because I do wholeheartedly believe as well, um, that, that it can help to reduce that recurrence and, you know, 35 to 40% is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Surprising, isn't it? I mean, it is. it's as good as a lot of the treatments we actually receive. <laughs> so right. It's, uh, yeah, no, it, it, you're, you're right. I mean, you, you look for what can you control and, and as, as a, cancer patient when you're you're medicalized i call it and you're always going to some imaging center or some treatment or another test or a blood test you kind of lose control over what's going on with you and the things that you have control over really uh, stop doing some things that nasty things like smoking but really it comes down to what you eat in terms of nutrition and, and the physical activity that you do and those two things you do have control over and those two things will help you you know return get your normal life back again so you know they become an integral part and that's why we call it standard of care that's something that that's integral to the treatment of cancer is physical activity absolutely well i love that i honestly do not know if in the united states cough cough anyone listening <laughs> um that that standard of care during chemotherapy also includes physical activity i don't know that we're there yet um but I would hope that that would be something that we would look into and start doing. I think that doctors are becoming more aware of it's, it has to be more than just treating the disease um, because the whole person has, you know, the whole person is affected and there has got to be some things in place to help the whole person heal through this, not just taking care of the disease. Yep, absolutely. You're correct. I mean, we're we're changing traditional medicine, and you know, takes between takes fifteen to twenty years, and that's just it's almost by osmosis that it occurs. But uh, you're right. In in what the Western world, North America now, there's getting more and more traction about the importance of exercise. Uh, there's other parts of the world, unfortunately, and that's where we do these outreach projects or project programs where we go to countries that are still thinking that well you've got cancer take it easy don't do anything don't certainly don't go do anything vigorous so we go to these places and we actually start dragon boat teams i love it i love it well i know that there is a new team that has popped up in fiji so that's pretty awesome um for breast cancer survivors i've seen that on facebook yeah that's coming up this actually this weekend okay we'll go there and uh to Fiji, but you know, last we've been to Colombia and Brazil, Argentina. We had a, a group 
from uh, in Patagonia before Christmas. So you know we need we need to push this a little bit because the uh, you know the idea that exercise is an integral part of healthcare is well known in, in the Western world, but it certainly isn't in other parts of the world. And we'll be looking at Asia as another place where uh, there's also a stigma of having breast cancer in some countries where you, you, know, you feel like you're kind of, well, I've had, there's something wrong with me just because I've had a, a disease such as breast cancer. And I think we need to kind of address some of the social things that, that come out of the, the, having a condition like breast cancer, but, you know, exercise, physical activity, getting people to together in a group is, is one way to help, uh, you know, push that agenda. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, so there's kind of this governing board, if you will, um, the IBCPC, which stands for the International Breast Cancer Peddlers Commission. Um, and I know that that kind of came about um, through the research project. Um and so, you know, can you talk a little bit about the creation? Were you part of the IBCPC or, you know, how did that all kind of, inter, you know, how did that yep. come together with your research study? Well, this is well past the, the research study, but it actually was formed by a group of the original paddlers, actually. The women who were in the first team uh, have stayed on, a lot of them have, and continue to be involved. And some of them decided that we needed a governance model to actually run this as as teams started to evolve uh, throughout the world, they were looking for some guidance and some some leadership. And so uh, a lot of it was coming through the original team in, in Vancouver. And I've been a part of that IBCPC since we started it, which is probably 10 or 15 years ago now. Um, it was really just formed by the women, for the women to provide leadership and guidance. And one of the things that out, uh, came out of that was that uh, we started having what we call participatory regattas and that means you know the first one was in Vancouver uh, after 10 years the 10 year 10 year anniversary of the breast in a boat we invited all the teams who wished to come to come to Vancouver and it was just a regatta for breast cancer survivors and since that time we've now had five other ones the last one was in Florence Italy and uh, July of 2018, we had about 4,500 4, women with breast cancer who came. I'm not sure if you were there. We were there. <laughs> and the next one, as, as you you would well know then, is uh, we'll be in New Zealand in two years' time. So I think those are important things. And I mean, it's called the participatory regatta, but you know, my, my bumper sticker says, paddle for fun, race to win. So nobody, never, no one ever actually goes out to come third or fourth. But the idea is that it, it's a participatory regatta because it really is, is just stating a message to the world. This is a global movement now. Women have taken back control of their lives and, and the value, they value the exercise and the camaraderie and the love that comes with a regatta like that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it is truly powerful. So uh, before I moved to Phoenix, I actually lived in Pittsburgh. And so my first participatory uh, event was in Sarasota, Florida. And I yeah, okay. so our team, um, which at that time was uh, Pink Steel, my team. Right, I remember uh, that. Yeah, and so we came in second um, <laughs> in the world. We like to tell people that we came in first in the United States, second in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was the most powerful experience I had ever had, um, you know, in the in the time that I had been a breast cancer survivor. <laughs> and so when I came out here to Phoenix one of the things that I wanted to do was allow the women here because for the most part, it was really kind of just 
recreational. They would go to maybe Vegas. They would go to Long Beach. Um, you know, they would obviously race in their own festival, but they had right. never really branched out. And so I made it my goal to take them to Italy. And for many of them, it genuinely changed their life. Um, uh-huh. It yeah, really sure. did. Um, sure yeah. So we are super excited about New Zealand. Um, but I have, I have one last question. Um, I feel like I could actually talk to you all day. Um, cause I love dragon boating and it's, you know, it's, it has really changed my life. The impact that it has had on my life is just profound. Um, and I can't imagine ever not being a part of the community, but kind of thinking back 25 years, um, when you started this, this one dragon boat team, did you ever envision that here we are 2020 and currently there are 200 breast cancer survivor teams across 25 countries. Did you ever imagine that that would happen? No, not at all. I mean, this, this, um, this was going to be a, a, an investigation to, to defy the myth that exercise caused lymphedema and, and the dragon boating was chosen simply on chosen simply on the basis of my personal experience with the sport of canoeing. And so it worked out very well. It's, it, it, it did what it was supposed to do. And, you know, I, I, I would have been surprised, but at the end of the six months, we had the answer that we were looking for. And, but I also saw the joy and the love and the, and the, and the, the camaraderie and what that actually, that six month period did to both the physical and the mental health of the women that had been in the boat. And I saw that they weren't going to give this up. And so, <laughs> as I said, as I said a long time ago, I lost control over it. <laughs> Back then, and so next year, when when the, the season started, uh, you know we had two teams, and then there was a team in uh, Toronto, and I think another one in Montreal, and one across the the pond in Victoria, BC. So it's just exploded, exploded. I think we have well over three hundred uh, teams now. There's teams that that you know we, we just don't know about until I finally hear. You'll hear it. You know, there's five teams in Brittany part of France that uh, not not everybody's registered with the IBCPC for example but okay. there are teams that come out of the woodwork uh, and, and, which is terrific because it's then driven by the women with the disease coming together for themselves and when I look back one of the things I, I do I must say is that the criteria for becoming a breast cancer dragon boat paddler is only one thing and that's breast cancer mm-hmm. and you see at the participatory regattas there are women who are 27 years old and we have women in our boat from Vancouver who were over 80. Yeah. So we have to make a place in that boat for the people who really need it. And it can't be done on the basis of fitness or health, or et cetera. We, we try to accommodate everybody. We say there's always a seat for everybody. And as soon as we start to, to take it too far towards the competitive side and exclude people who, feel that they aren't fit enough or are too old, then then we lose a little bit of what this thing was all about in the first place. So we always kind of go back to the basics, you know, where, what started us and, and where are we going? And sure, there's teams that want to be more competitive and fair enough, but there, there always has to be a place in the boat for the, the woman who's older and weaker but really needs this. And, uh, you know, I'm sure most people understand that, but it's it's an integral part of this whole program is, is women's health and, and the support that you're giving to each other. And then the side effect is, yeah, you go to get to go to a nice 
group of places. The regattas are always in nice locations. It's fun to compete. Everybody likes to race. It's good for you. You like to train hard. But, but you have to have the whole package in place. It has to be a place for, for the women who, who uh, may not be able to, to join. In Vancouver, for example, we have a, a boat that we call the Boat to Nowhere. And uh, that, that boat does not race. That boat just goes out and trains and, and exercises. They're there for physical activity. And they, they go to the regattas, the women, but they don't race in the regattas. They go and, you know, they've got a number of reasons for doing that, whether or not they have already, they have existing disease or they just don't want to compete. But, you know, we have to have a, a we have to have the complete package wherever we develop this program and the complete package goes all the way from from a boat to nowhere to the competitive team that uh, that is now competing outside of the breast cancer races against women who don't have breast cancer but they're good enough and fit enough and and expert enough that they can challenge uh, you know everybody else there's no reason why you can't do that right and i love that i think that's a, a really great point and um you know i talk a lot about you know we get we get new people pretty often in our boat and um you know i try to provide one-on-one training for them inside the boat and um you know they a lot of times they get super frustrated and i always look at them and i say just remember that none of us came out of the womb paddling a dragon boat like we all started at day one, you know, we were all here at that same time. Yep. And I, I also tell my um, teammates too, that, you know, look, if being out on the water is where you need to be, but you don't have the strength and you don't have the ability to, um, you know, paddle that day, just come and sit in the boat. There will always be a seat open for you. Because yeah, good for you. yeah it is all about making sure that we're inclusive and that we are, allowing everybody to have that space if that's what serves them great i love to hear that melissa yeah absolutely so i really want to thank you so much number one for being willing to come onto the podcast i know that you're a busy man you've got a lot of things going on um and i also want to say thank you from the depths of my heart for going outside of um you know what was what was recommended um by the medical field in terms of dragon boating and really just acknowledging that this genuinely has changed my life. Um, and I, I can't really put into words, um, right now because I, I just, the, the amount of, um, so much has been given to me, um, in my life because of dragon boating. And there are so many so many things that I want to thank you for, and I can't really even find the words, but I really just want to say from the depths of my heart, thank you so much for being the leader in this, for being somebody who wanted to defy, um, you know, or debunk the myth related to physical activity um, for, for those of us who are survivors and for really giving us our lives back, because I think that's what you've done. Well, thank you for the kind words, Melissa, but also thank you for doing this podcast because I think this is another way that this information is is given to women and they will hear this and they can realize that, uh, you know, a full life, a full physical, physically active life is there for them. So once again, thank you for taking on this task as well. It's an important way of communications, uh, you know, extraordinarily important in all of this. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at 
www.thinkingabouthealth.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.